just to give a little bit of background where we are in the timeline of Jesus. Jesus has, uh, has entered into Jerusalem, uh, the triumphal entry. And so this period of time here is no, what we normally refer to as Holy Week. And it's during this time where Jesus does a lot of teaching, teaching to uh, the crowd, to the disciples, explaining more about the kingdom of God. And in this chapter, John chapter 15, uh, Jesus tells us, uh, gives a, a parable and some instruction and a word of encouragement for us regarding uh, the church. And so, friends, let's turn to Scripture together. John chapter 15, Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For anyone, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But this is my, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what, I do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that... Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. 
If I had not done among them the works that, I, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of this sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Before we look deeper into this text, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word has been preserved for us. Those words of Jesus have been protected over time for us to be able to read today. Father, I pray that as we look deeper into this text, may you speak to us. May you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. May we know more about what it means to follow Jesus, your Son, as our Lord and Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen. So as I mentioned, there are sort of three uh, main sections regarding John chapter 15. We have this, uh, this almost a parable idea, really, about, uh, about the Father being the vine dresser, Jesus being the vine, we are the branches, and that uh, we've then also got an instruction that Jesus gives to us about loving one another. And then there's the third section where we see this, um, this reminder that, yes, the world has hated Jesus, and therefore the world will also hate us. But that actually is an encouragement for us because it shows the truth about Jesus and that the Holy Spirit will come and help us. In my garden, uh, I have what is sort of affectionately, comically known as, as a vegetable patch. And uh, I, sort of uh, comically, really, because I haven't really grown much in it for the last couple of years. But the one thing that has grown is rhubarb. And this rhubarb is growing to the point now where it's almost impossible to grow anything else. It was a gift a number of years ago. Someone, um, actually as a, as a gift for preaching, uh, gave a very small root of rhubarb. And it was planted in the ground. And it took root. It started to grow. And goodness me, these things really do grow. Rhubarb, after a few years, will just begin to keep growing and growing and taking up more and more of this area that, uh, that was a veg patch. It's actually got to the stage now, and I had to read up on it just to make sure, am I doing the right thing, that uh, I've actually, I'm actually supposed to dig a certain amount of it up. Because if I don't, it will just start going out of control. And uh, uh, last year, it actually started growing some seeds. It started bolting, which you don't tend to see very often. But it just kept growing bigger and bigger. Because I hadn't looked after it, um, it was just going mad. <laughs> and whereas once it grew one stalk at the beginning, it was now getting to the point where it was overtaking this, this area of veg patch, and actually it needs to be dug up. A good vine dresser will make sure that the vine grows in a proper way. The vine dresser doesn't just leave the vine to grow at however it wants to grow. It needs to be pruned. It needs to be managed. Anything that does not bear fruit, any sort of twigs, branches that are just withering, any sort of problem that might be in the soil, the vine dresser deals with that issue. 
any area of that plant that is growing fruit, he prunes, makes sure that those leaves are strong, that, uh, the, the, that as much fruit as possible can be produced. Now, this parable, this metaphor that, Je- that Jesus tells for us here is a reminder regarding the church. Jesus calls the father the vine dresser. He calls himself the true vine, not just any vine, but the true vine. This is the final I am statement of Jesus. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. This one is the final one. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Friends, It might be that we look at the situation of the church today. We might look at statistics that have come out recently. And we might hear about difficulties within the church. We might hear of all sorts of moving away from Scripture. That in many churches, it seems as though Scripture is not held in high regard. That following Jesus is just an option. It seems as though the opinion of the world matters more than the opinion of God. And so, friends, we have to ask, what is going to happen to these churches? If Jesus is the true vine, and if there is a branch that is not bearing fruit, what is the vine dresser going to do about it? The vine dresser is going to remove any branch that does not bear fruit, and he's going to be thrown away. Any area, any branch that does bear fruit, what's he going to do? Prune, which even then means that some things may end up being cut away from a a branch that is producing fruit in order that it may produce more fruit. There are, um, the other day I heard about a church building that now is for sale in the center of Neath. And indeed, there are others in the local area. There's ones in Skewen, there's ones up in Glenith. And I'm not blaming the congregations for this. I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with those churches. I don't know the, anyone who attended those churches. That might be a problem. But, um, but these places now are for sale. And it is almost as though the Lord, the Father, has, for whatever reason, he's pruning his church. And part of me feels really painful on those sorts of things. I see empty buildings that at one time may have been full of people. Indeed, one of the churches, one of the buildings that is for sale at the moment, I remember having a conversation with some of the people that, that attended that church, and they, they were reminiscing. Oh, I remember, they would say, when this building was full of people. And by the time that I was preaching there, there were only around eight to ten remaining. Friends, it seems as though there is this difficult sense and one part of me laments, weeps almost at the situation that we see where I see empty buildings that were once full of people suddenly now becoming empty and the for sale signs are outside of them. But then I have to remember that Christ is above all, that God is above all, and that when Christ says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I have to take encouragement in that. I have to say, yes, he is building his church. I don't understand, uh, from my perspective, what God is doing. 
His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I cannot see from the heavenly perspective. I cannot see from the eternal perspective what God is doing. On one sense, through the blessing of things like the internet, we're able to see what God is doing around the world. And we may take great encouragement in that. And where we hear of almost the edges of revival, the, the sort of hints, whispers of great power of God, the great moves and power of God that is being demonstrated, the, the, the vine dresser is pruning those things so that they will produce more fruit. But then I also look at the situation within the UK. We might look locally regarding the situation in Neath, South Wales, within the UK, within Europe generally, and we might say, Lord, remember your church. Lord, would you prune in order that this place would produce more fruit for the good of the gospel, that we, as it were, as individual branches, leaves among the true vine, Father, would you prune us that we would produce more fruit for the good of the gospel, for the good and glory of your name. Friends, the, the world over the last three years has gone through incredible turmoil. So many different things we're hearing. And then I was talking with someone the other day, and if you were to say 10 years ago what has happened over the last three years, we wouldn't be able to believe it. All sorts of different things, not just, not just pandemics and things, but just just all sorts of different things. It's almost unbelievable the things that have happened around our world in the last three years, really even in, in the last six months, we could say, even. But God is doing something. And we say, Lord, would you do something in your church? Would you remember the covenant that you have made with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us? Lord, would you, would you work mightily within us that the glory of God would be known and that we would produce much fruit for the gospel. One of the other parables that Jesus talks about is the parable of the sower. And one of the things that he mentions regarding that is that the harvest that is produced is 30, 60, and 100 times greater than what anyone would ever think or even possibly imagine. To get that amount of yield from, from the ground, 30 times even, would be uh, miraculous. You'd be talking maybe about 5% yield maybe would be very high. But what, that's, what Jesus is saying here is it's going to be 30 times greater, 60 times greater, 100 times greater than you can think. You might be praying for one person for them to become, uh, be, become a disciple of Jesus. Well, there is a harvest coming where one turns to 100 because of the good news of Jesus. 100 will turn to 1,000 because of the good news of Jesus, because the vine dresser will prune where, there is, where fruit is being produced. The world and society in general, and we can see this, is tempting the church. The vine tree can only, the vine, I should say, can only produce grapes. It's not there to produce strawberries. It's not there to produce apples or bananas or anything else. It is there to produce grapes. That's, the reason, that's one of the things, reasons why we see it mentioned as a specific idea. Back all the way in Genesis, when, uh, when God talked about uh, creation, he says that things will produce after their own kind. That is to say that apple trees will produce apples. 
that, uh, that fig trees will produce figs, that uh, dogs will produce more dogs, cats will produce more cats. That's the way that it works. But what we're finding with the world is there's almost this temptation, almost the, like we see with the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, almost this, did God really say idea? Did God really say that his word is what he says it is? Did he really say that? Well, yes, because he is truth. <laughs> he is the truth. Well, did God really say that Jesus is the only way? Did he really say that? Surely it's one of many ideas. Well, no, because he is the way. We know that. He is the truth. He is the life. But it's almost that the world is trying to tempt us away and saying, well, why don't you try producing other things instead? You've produced grapes for long enough. Why don't you try producing something else? There's some other ground here. There's some other soil that perhaps you wanted to be rooted in. And maybe you might produce something else. And we have seen, unfortunately, some churches, some movements being drawn by that temptation to move away from the authority of Scripture, to move away from saying that Jesus is the only way, to move away from saying that we must be born again. And they have gone to other ideas and other concepts, other principles. And what do we find of those churches? They're really suffering. They are suffering. It seems like it's good at first because it's doing something, but then immediately they just start to deteriorate very quickly. Friends, we must hold fast to the gospel. We must hold fast to the truth of Scripture. We must believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. We must be unapologetically Christian regarding these ideas. We must not weigh and falter. If there are concepts, ideas in the world where people will be very open about what they believe, we too must be very open about what we believe, even if there may be persecution, even if there may be difficult times for us. We must do so. And we must say, we are in the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. What he does, what, what, whether, where he wants us to grow fruit, we will grow that fruit. We're not going to do anything else. In Galatians, we see the kind of fruit that perhaps the world may even try to tempt us in and tempt us with. But then also we see the fruit that we are to produce as God's people. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, we read this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is so clear here. And in Galatians, he makes it clear, don't falter from the gospel. If you hear someone preaching another gospel than the gospel, reject it immediately. It doesn't matter if an angel supposedly comes and preaches another gospel. Stay with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to his word. Hold fast to the truth of his word. Because why? What is the fruit of the Spirit then? What is the fruit that we are to produce? We are to produce love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to, belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Jesus himself actually gives us a very clear commandment, this second section of John chapter 15. What is his commandment? That we love one another. There may be times, friends, where we disagree with one another. We may have, uh, we may have different ideas or opinions on what might be best practice for us. We might have different ideas in regards of worship or uh, the different translation of scripture that we're going to read. We may have all sorts of different things like that, and yet we are still able to love one another. Why? Because the worship isn't what unites us. The translation of scripture that we read is not what unites us. Our political affiliation is not what unites us. What unites us is Christ Jesus. And so with him being love, we are to love one another. Jesus makes it clear. You want to know what love is? It's laying down your life for others. Laying down your life for others. Goodness me, isn't it? To think uh, to the way that Paul writes of it in Philippians chapter 2 is that we don't consider other that we don't consider ourselves greater than others, but we ask ourselves what can I do? How can I remain humble in this situation? How can I serve the other person? How can I serve my brother and sister in Christ? If they are in need, we don't just say, as, as we read in James, God bless you. May you be warm when they need a coat. May, you, may your stomach be filled if they are hungry. What do we do? We help directly because that is what love is. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus even goes as far as to say, I call you friends. Yes, there is, they are disciples. Yes, clearly Jesus is greater than the disciples, than the apostles. And yet, Jesus calls them friends. How wonderful that is. And so too, Jesus calls us friends. It's then this third section then. So the first section we have this reminder about the vine, that we are to produce fruit for the good of the gospel. And that may God continue to work in our lives, that we would produce fruit 30, 60, 100 times greater than we might think. This second section then talks, gives an example of the kind of, uh, the command that Jesus gives to us, that we are to love one another. When people look at us, they won't see those divisions, those envies, the, the envious nature between, the, uh, between us. What do they see? They see love. And so those works of the flesh that we see within Galatians, and that was read within Galatians chapter 5, People do not see them with us and should not see them with us because what do they see? The love of Christ that unites us together. And then we have this third section, which as I said was an encouragement for us. And yet the very first sentence might seem as though how is this an encouragement for us? If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, in our natural sense, we don't want to be hated, do we? No one goes around saying, I hope more people hate me today. No one says that. 
No one says such things. We want to get along with people. We want other people to like us. But we must never falter from the gospel. And if we are to remain true to the vine, if we are to be rooted and established in the love of Christ, if we are to produce fruit for the gospel of Jesus, there will be people that look at us. There will be groups, communities that look at us and hate us and make fun of us because of what we believe. And yet, we must remember they hated Jesus more. They hated him because of what he said of himself. If we find that there are church groups, church leaders that seem to be accepted by the world, it needs to be a big alarm bell for us. Why are they being accepted by people that don't believe? Why are they being accepted by atheists even? Why is that? Is it because they have faltered from Scripture? Is it because they have faltered from the truth of the gospel? May that not be condemnation for them. May it be a leading out of repentance for them. May it be, don't go down that path. Repent of that. Repent of anything that isn't of Christ. Draw back to the good news of Jesus. And Jesus makes it so clear to us that yes, if, if, uh, if people start hating you, remember that they hated Jesus all the more. I just want to draw um, to attention here, verse 22. Jesus say, mentions about the fact that he, that he has come to earth, that uh, he is fully God and fully man. And then he says this, if I had not come and spoken of them, they would not have been guilty of sin. That is to say, the sin of rejecting the good news of Jesus. But Jesus makes it clear they're without excuse here. They are without excuse. They've heard the good news of Jesus and therefore there is a question that is being posed to them. Will they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And friends, it is exactly the same question that is posed to each and every single one of us. Will we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And so friends, I want to just as we start drawing a to a close on this word, I just want to ask the question, do you know that you are in the vine? Do you know that you are united with Christ? If the answer is no or I'm not sure, then I urge you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do not put it off to another time. Don't put it off until like the current season has passed where life is a bit more comfortable or even more difficult. Accept Jesus today while the opportunity is presented to you and know that you are united with Christ and that you will produce fruit, good fruit, godly fruit, fruits of righteousness that fruit that we read earlier in Galatians 5, that is fruit that you can produce if you are united with Christ. And so if you have never said yes to Jesus, I urge you and encourage you, do so today. Friends, it might also be that as you've been listening to this word, you've been thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm producing much fruit for the gospel. I know that I believe I know that I'm united with Christ. I know these things. And yet, when I look at my life, I don't feel like I'm producing much fruit for the gospel. Friends, I urge you to go before Christ, to go before the Father, the, the great vine dresser, and say, would you prune my life? 
anything of my life that is holding me back, any distraction of the world that is trying to take my eye, my thoughts, my heart away from walking in the way of Christ, Father, may you cut it away. May you prune my life that I would produce more fruit for the good of the gospel. It might even be that as we read in Galatians 5 there, you're thinking, well, I need more joy in my life. Love and peace, they're okay, but I need more joy in my life. Again, go before the Father and say, would you work in my life, prune my life that I would have more joy, more peace, more kindness, more self-control, whatever it may be. Go before, go before the Father and say, would you work in my life? And friends, I also want us to take an opportunity as well to think and pray for the church globally. We might be able to see and hear of some of the things that the Father is doing in pruning uh, that, that vine that it would produce more fruit for the good of the gospel. To think of it another way, that he's making the bride of Christ more beautiful in those areas. That there is somewhere around the world where we can see the gospel exploding almost and we hear of great moves of God. But yet we might hear of things that are happening locally and we say, Lord, would you work mightily here in Neath? Would you work mightily here in South Wales, across this nation, across the United Kingdom, across Europe? Would you do great things, Lord? We're seeing such great apostasy of people just turning away. We're seeing, um, we're seeing all sorts of horrible things happening in regards of the church. Father, Father, would you do something? Would you would you do something to the soil, something, something to those branches, something to those leaves of the, of the church that they would produce fruit, good fruit, righteous fruit for the good of him? Let us pray.